Welcome to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice with Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Now, the name of our program might be a bit unconventional, but for that better, so is our approach. We'll discuss traditional and alternative practices and therapies designed to improve and maintain the health of your best friends, your pets. With the ideas discussed on the show today, your pets could live longer and healthier lives. Now, here is Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson. Good morning. Welcome to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. I'm Kristen Carlson here with Dr. Jim Carlson, holistic veterinarian, owner of Riverside Animal Clinic and Holistic Center in Chicago's northwest suburbs. Dr. Carlson's quotes appear in dozens of publications you can find around the internet, including PetMD, Rover.com, Pet Coach, and many others. Dr. Carlson practices a blend of Eastern and Western medicine and customizes treatments for each individual pet that he sees in practice. Jim is also my husband. We've been married for nearly 21 years. It's wonderful. (laughs) Wonderful 21 years. All right, good. So tell us a little bit about um, the kinds of things that you're doing here at Riverside. Well, we've we've been partners in three hospitals now. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, originally when we started in more conventional medicine, it was, we were getting to a point where the animals weren't quite getting well enough. I was trained traditional but I was reaching kind of roadblocks in the recovery period. So uh, I felt like I needed something more to get through the certain illnesses that I was experiencing. Mm-hmm. And I knew I had to make a change in the way I practiced because my goal was not just to relieve symptoms of my patients, but to make them completely better. Mm-hmm. I remember that time. Yeah. And you were very stressed out because these yeah. animals just seemed to be either suffering side effects from constant medication use or prescriptions and they just weren't really prospering at all yeah we've been the protocol you know we've worked them up right done the blood testing the x-rays urine Mm -hmm. testing things like that and just realized that you know even after the treatment that was prescribed they would get better and then relapse or they wouldn't seem to recover at all Mm -hmm. and so you run into a point where it's like okay there's got to be something more. Right. And, uh, or you needed something more. Or I needed something. Yeah. 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 And, and then, you no, know, your clients weren't happy at that point, you know, because, this, you know, you have a choice. You have a side effect from a medication. I mean, even something as simple as an NSAID yeah. can damage the liver and kidneys for good and yeah. really shorten a dog's lifespan. It happened to our dog at that point in time, too, our, our own dog, Mabel. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of a, we were kind of in the same bind as everyone else yeah. when you and, discovered this. And I remember that uh, little Sheltie that I experienced. Um, you know, we'd done everything. It, it had urinary tract problems. And um, mm-hmm. the we decided, okay, we're just going to manage it the best we can. Mm-hmm. Um, she came back about six months later for a routine wellness. I said, how's the urinary problem going? She said, oh, it's going great. I said, well, what did you do? And I said, well, my neighbor... Uh, gave me information about an acupuncturist. We were in Ohio at the time. He said it was over in Indiana. I had to drive an hour and a half. said about three acupuncture treatments, the patient got better, and, and then I was blown away. That's when I started to know there is something else. <laughs> okay, there is a way. More to, to yeah. getting them and what did you treat the pet with at that point? It was a Sheltie, mm-hmm. um, big Sheltie fan, and love them. They're so cute. Yeah. We'd... Uh, she was having urinary incontinence, so 
we had done estrogen testing, we'd done urinalysis, we'd done antibiotics, we'd done estrogen therapy, uh, x-ray, yeah. uh, blood work, everything. What about the acupuncture made it work then? The it, it just stimulated the body's own ability to heal itself. We just we can't forget about the patient. You know, we're treating the disease or the symptom, but we have to remember, okay, we gotta treat the patient too, and that's what essentially what acupuncture was doing. Okay. All right. Uh, Many people have stories as patients themselves, like human patients, and it's easy to understand their concerns about side effects and I don't want my dog on medication. I mean, I hear that how many times a day, at least five or 10 at least. Mm -hmm. And um, a website, policy, uh, policymed.com says 40% of Americans have tried some form of alternative medicine at some point, totaling up to $35 billion a year in human medicine. So it's gaining popularity for humans and also their pets. What makes holistic or complementary treatments good options for animals? Definitely less side effects because uh, if you take prednisone, for example, has uh, increased urination, increased thirst. So if you're giving your pet that and you're going off to work and you can't get home to let them out more often, you're definitely going to come home to some accidents. Uh, not to mention that you're going to have some internal organ side effects potentially over time. Um, it treats the patient and not necessarily the problem. So the patient treats itself as well. So the body's helping out as well as the medication. So it works synergistically. Um, and I think it's more sustainable because they, you end up with a pet that's actually getting better for longer and able to sustain themselves and function better. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, we also do have a little bit of an unconventional name for this podcast. So mm-hmm. we decided to have a little fun with our topic and our name. And there's a term called woo-woo that kind of pokes fun at what we do. I want you explain a little bit about what woo-woo means to you. Well, the term woo-woo can be considered a bit depreciative, but we choose to have fun with it and make it a bit of a shortcut way of discussing holistic medicine sometimes. Our, my practice really, our practice really encompasses everything from acupuncture to acupressure to ina, which is uh, acupressure uh, in a form of, of more Chinese type chiropractic, uh, traditional Chinese veterinary medicine. We do herbal therapy. And one of the most useful tools for me has been BioScan custom holistic testing, which we'll be discussing sometime down the road. Mm -hmm. Okay. According to the American Holistic Veterinary Medical Association, quote, this is from their website, holistic medicine by its very nature is humane to the core. The techniques used in holistic medicine are gentle, minimally invasive, and incorporate patient well-being and stress reduction. Holistic thinking is centered on love, empathy, and respect. This is um, a really great way of looking at things because you really have to imbue a lot of really good energy, love, care, and concern into an animal to help them help themselves. You do because the the owner and the pet together have that bond, that human-animal bond that's really important. So if you're both really working together, Mm -hmm. uh, if you really believe in the medicine that you're giving to them, that they are going to feel that that energy coming back, you know, is though, okay, that medicine I'm taking is actually going to make me better. Mm-hmm. They feel that. They can't really understand our language, but they can understand the emotion and the energy that we're putting behind it. Mm, 
Okay. Um, the AHVMA uh, has resources on their website, ahvma.org. And they have resources. If you don't have a holistic veterinarian or you don't know anybody who does that, you can check with them. And they have listings of people all over in all states that do that. I think there's like 35 vets in Illinois providing that. I checked it yesterday. Um, so it's just something if you're interested in that. Also, you can get in touch with us as well at holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. And um, today we're going to be putting some shopping stuff on our uh, Facebook page, which is awesomewooholisticvetadvice.com or at at facebook.com. And when we do that, uh, you can get telemedicine services, custom holistic testing, homeopathy, as well as even a records review by Dr. Carlson. So those are some of the services we can provide with you, uh, for you, with um, the help of your own veterinarian. So they can get together and, and make a plan for your pet. Um, we're here today to provide guidance in this podcast to people who are looking for information or looking to find a way to spark a conversation with their own veterinarian. So what we're talking about is it really considered medical advice for individuals. Pets. However, you can pick our brains today by calling in at 866-472-5788 and uh, get in touch with us that way. So we'll look forward to speaking with you guys today. On today's show, we're going to be talking about our superstar client, Libby the Mork. She's an Instagram star, model, and TV personality, and a cute little doggy. This precious little dog has been Dr. Carlson's patient for many years, and so is her little sis, Tori. Their great mom and Natalie will be here to discuss how she's worked with her dogs through obedience training and how it's enhanced their relationship and helped their careers. She's going to give us an update, too, on some exciting news that Liv has because she's going to be in another fashion week. So she's had quite an interesting career, and she's so much fun to see. She is. Yeah. Her little personality is something. Yeah, she is Libby the Mork on Instagram, so you got to check her out. Yeah. Uh, additionally, that grumbly tummy sound on a pet is enough to put any pet owner on high alert. We'll give you some natural go-tos that can help a little bit later on. All right, first today, we're just going to hit it right out of the ballpark. And just nail it. Vaccines. It's what's right, what isn't. Vaccine inquiries are the most frequently asked questions in a holistic practice because a lot of people have mixed opinions, sometimes very rabid feelings about how many vaccines their pet really needs, if any. There are so many assumptions out there, and both pro-vaccine and anti-vaxxers can get really vicious about this subject. This is not for the holidays. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> um, so anyway, additionally, there's a ton of info. Some of it's great and you read it and think, oh, okay, I can see that. And then some of it's really awful and inaccurate that's going on in the internet right now. So we're going to kind of break a little bit of it down for you and kind of give you some, um, you know, kind of updates from our perspective, which is a little bit different, I think, than a lot of people. Um, so tell us a little bit about some of the common questions. Well, number one, does my dog need all these shots? Mm -hmm. And the answer is not necessarily because, and we'll discuss a little bit later here, about the risk assessment and what the vaccinations requirements are. Um, Some are by law. Of course, the rabies shot is by law. The rest of them aren't. But you have to know your pet's lifestyle. You have to know where you're going and make sure your pet is protected. 
but also make sure that we're not over-vaccinating as well. So you really have to be proactive on both sides. Your veterinarian needs to be proactive, and you need to be proactive in really discussing and sharing with your veterinarian where your pet's going and what they're going to be doing over the course of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I have I a s- lot of people yeah, who want to know, can I, can I just skip the rabies shot? And rabies is required in is it required everywhere in the United States? It is, and it's, it, it is still very serious. Um, the wildlife is the biggest carrier now. The domestic population, uh, we rarely see, uh, you know, unless it's a stray dog, uh, getting rabies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the contact with wildlife is the biggest thing. Um, so can you skip it? No. But you have to address it with your individual uh, state and county as far as what their requirements, as far as exemption. Mm-hmm. Uh, here in McHenry County, we do write exemptions uh, for pets who have had a serious vaccine reaction or may, uh, maybe experiencing a serious illness. Mm-hmm. And the county's been wonderful in allowing the exemption and they carry a special tag. So if they've had previous rabies vaccination, they do carry antibody titers for a very long time. So, But you do have to adjust their lifestyle if they're not going to be vaccinated. Okay. And then a question that we're going to talk about in a little bit is, are they immune for life? So we have some answers on that uh, coming up in just a minute. And they are actually a little surprising. They are. Mm-hmm. So um, so there are a lot of vaccines out there, but some of them are considered core vaccines. Would you tell us which ones are the core vaccines? The core vaccines for dogs are going to be rabies and then the what they generically call the distemper vaccine. But it includes distemper, hepatitis, parainfluenza, and then parvovirus. Mm-hmm. Those are considered the core for dogs. And adenovirus, too. And adenovirus, yeah. uh, which is part of the hepatitis uh, virus. And you can get a distemper shot with coronavirus protection in it as well. You can. And that's, that would be uh, considered non-core or ancillary okay. uh, type of vaccine. Usually in, uh, in puppies, you know, in breeding situations where corona might be increased, Okay. You might get a corona. Yeah, because you never use it. We never order that. No, you yeah. don't have to. But um, And then for cats, uh, rabies, and then uh, the feline distemper, which is going to cover distemper and uh, rhinotracheitis and clesivirus okay. uh, in that All generic right. term. So, like, what does core vaccine mean? Like, Well, core is going to cover the main vaccines that are going to give you the best protection. Okay. Now, ancillary... Like vac- to the biggest threat, the best protection to the biggest threat? Right. Those okay. are going to be the, the most common and the biggest threat. And, and also, um, in terms of of what we as veterinarians and, and as the, the government were trying to protect disease spread, mm-hmm. uh, because these are pretty dangerous, uh, you know, viruses. Mm-hmm. Where Bordetella, for example, is not necessarily a dangerous bacteria, but it can cause a lot of health problems. Mm-hmm. Rabies, obviously, is a yeah. major, major problem. And, you know, you were talking about wildlife being a big issue. And we've actually had in the last year two puppies who were not vaccinated yet for rabies who found a bat in the backyard mm-hmm. and had to be euthanized. It was extremely sad. Very, very sad situation. And and uh, that's why if, if they're not going to be vaccinated right away, is they should be closely supervised. Or if they're not going to be immunized uh, for various reasons, uh, that they must 
uh, be closely supervised as to where they're going and, and what they're exposed to. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't see that much distemper, but it is in wildlife. You know, you'll see like the weird raccoon on the side of the road yeah. and, you know, you know, kind of know. Yeah. But um, the the hit of Parvo is a very major concern because that is a very major illness for a puppy or any dog who's not vaccinated for that. And we've, we've had um, actually recently an unvaccinated dog uh, owner's choice worked with the owner cooperatively um, ended up with Parvo. Mm -hmm. So it does happen. I mean, you can get it. And if you aren't going to vaccinate for that, you know, you're a bit limited or you should be a bit limited in the places your pet can go. I mean, they could pick it up anywhere, pet stores, going out and about, anything like that. So It is because a virus, you know, it's hard because you can't see it. They say, well, you know, nobody has it. It can't be around, but it's it's sitting right there it is. waiting that they're opportunist. And so you'd be surprised that it's still out and about. Okay. The American Animal Hospital Association kind of sets a gold standard for responsible vaccination. The AHA standards are well-researched. They can be located on the aha.org website. I'll also post them on our Facebook page, Awesome Woo Woo, Holistic Vet Advice. Uh, You can find us there. We have everything posted today, in fact, um, that we're going to be talking about. So you use some holistic methods for pets both before and after vaccines. Um, uh, sometimes these are for vaccine reactors. I picked up a phone call the other day from somebody. Um, she's been a holistic client for a while. She had a terrible vaccine reaction with her pet. So you prescribe something about a week in advance that's uh, holistic. I think it's a homeopathic item. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I used uh, the product called Nosotes. And uh, for rabies, it's called Lysinum. And Lysinum helps to minimize the side effects of the vaccination mm-hmm. prior to vaccine. So you give it ahead of time, about seven days ahead. Uh, you can give it seven days after. Uh, and what it's designed to do is not only work with the vaccine that was given, but help to minimize side effects. And that's the problem with the vaccines is that there's nothing there to naturally minimize the side effects in the vaccine. Mm-hmm. So the, the no-sodes there to kind of counteract some of those potential negative things that could happen. Um, DAPP is for distemper and adenovirus, influenza, parvovirus. Uh, and they're just, they look like little sugar babies. Mm-hmm. How many do you give? And uh, usually two to three per okay. day. Uh, and about a week ahead of time there again, and about a week after. And and, it, um, and it, it's also used to kind of boost the immunity even for dogs that may not be vaccinated that year, if they're going out every third year, mm-hmm. or, or if their titer's good and they just want a little boost, they can use it as well. Okay. Um, you take some time with each owner to cooperatively, like, talk to them, sit down, have a little discussion, not just present a cookie-cutter vaccine protocol. So the entire team has to be on board with what's wanted and needed for vaccines. Tell us a little about the risk assessment that we always perform with each pet and who comes, everybody who comes to see you fills this out. Yeah, everybody sits down and and it gives them a chance to kind of really think about it. You know, where's my pet going? What's it mm-hmm. doing? So we cover lifestyle. Um, current health problems. Is there anything going on with the pet right now? Uh, certainly the size of the dog. I mean, uh, three-pound chihuahua, you have to be really careful with vaccination. And 
most of the time we're not vaccinating. We're doing very limited vaccine. Or you break them up. Or we break them up and yeah. doing split vaccination. Uh, where the, the Labrador Retriever that goes hunting, we have to be very conscious about where that pet's going uh, because they're going to experience water. They're going to experience wildlife. You know, they're going to, you're going to cover all the bases there. So, uh, and then of course, the owner's wishes, you know, they come with different philosophies. Now it's, it's wide open. People are so well researched too. They are. They have all their documentation in place. They've formed their opinions. And people are actively looking for places they can go and not feel pressured. Yeah, I think about one out of every three come in and and have Mm -hmm. actually researched their vaccine, you know, and want to talk about and even say that I come here because you don't require all the vaccinations. Mm -hmm. Or you don't make me do it. Or you don't make me do it. Right. And, you know, there, there are a lot of different concerns, side effects. Um, you know, some people are worried about isolated areas of cancer at the vaccine site. Um, just a lot of different things that, you know, people are concerned about associated with vaccines, not only for animals, also, you know, for people, too. So I can't say that. I just want to make a point that vaccination is not wrong. And, and veterinarians that maybe blanket vaccinate aren't necessarily uh, doing the wrong thing for your pet, but I, th- I think it just as an industry, we need need to take a more proactive approach and and really addressing the vaccines for owners because uh, if if we shut the door on them for not really talking about it openly, uh, I, th- I think it minimizes who we are as as uh, as practitioners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I see that. So a cooperative arrangement with the owner very important, and to pay attention to details on lifestyle and health. If you don't understand your vaccines, or I would say, honestly, if you feel pressured into getting vaccines that you don't know what they are, you don't know why you need all of them, then stop and speak up. And even if you're not sure you want them because maybe you feel overwhelmed or something, you can always go back and just get a vaccine. Yeah. Just, so just take some time. I mean, yeah. don't don't feel pressured into needing five or six vaccines for like a small dog or something until you've really thought about why you're getting all those shots. Yeah, because I kid my owner, you know, the pet owners that come in sometimes say, well, you know, if they came in before that, because uh, my vet told me so, you know, that's not the good enough reason. You know, you really have to be proactive and say, mm-hmm. you know, really understand why you're getting the vaccine. Yeah, and you got to find a vet who you can really talk to, who listens yeah. to you. And if, you know, you don't have that relationship, you know, it's always good to kind of look yeah, around a little bit on that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 all right. Um, we wanted to talk a little bit, too, about titer testing. This is something that we do all the time for rabies, distemper, parvo, and a lot of people make the choice to have a titer test rather than to just go ahead and vaccinate. So first of all, what is the titer test and how does that work and how do you not vaccinate if that has anything to do with it? The uh, the titer testing looks to see how much protection they actually got from either naturally or from vaccination. Mm-hmm. So if we take Lyme disease, for example, uh, the Lyme uh, antibody titers uh, that we can send in will actually discriminate between the vaccine and natural immunity. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, but you can actually tell were they previously exposed uh, or have they got sufficient protection from their vaccination program. And if they did, then you can bypass till the next year and tighter again, uh, or on average, you can go about three years and then check again. Uh, that's what I do for my own titering for rabies. I was rabies vaccinated myself. So <laughs> no good. I'm not going to get rabies from you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so 
the thing, though, about the titering is it's interesting. So a lot of people, there's some information out there on the Internet of people saying that vaccines, you get them once, you're done for life. And they veterinarians know this and they're just using vaccines as a revenue source and that kind of thing. This, I can tell you personally from my experience of pulling up these lab tests all the time because we do hundreds of titers here, um, that isn't actually true. Some of these titers aren't aren't any good. Yeah, they don't because uh, we have to take into account the patient may not be able to seroconvert that vaccine as well, uh, that the vaccine may not match up with a particular pet, mm-hmm. or it may just not last as long. So you're guaranteed about a year with a distemper vaccine uh, to three years, depending on which vaccine you're using. So check the titer to be sure, you know. Um, you want to be sure that there is protection. It's mm-hmm. like we heartworm test every year. If you're given it once a month, that's great, and you should. But at the same time, it's guaranteed. So make sure that you're protected. Mm-hmm. You know, Again, it's individualized care. It is. And it's very different per animal. Yeah, it's customized. It's for the has to be. remember the patient. Yes. And not just the protocol. So. Mm-hmm. Right, right, and not just like an opinion that's out there either. You're right, that's right. Right. So a couple questions about the titering. If you want to forego a vaccine, get a titer and submit that to get a rabies tag, does that work? It it doesn't. It's not going to be good enough for rabies. Uh, The only time that uh, the titer is not going to work for for in the United States, for international travel, we'll get to it just a little bit, there's there's international there's countries that do require a rabies titer as part of entry into their country. Oh, really? And yeah. vaccine? And the vaccine too. Okay. So right. if you're internationally traveling, you got to be be wise on. And doesn't Hawaii part. involve a rabies titer too? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. To travel to Hawaii with your pet. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of paperwork for that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, what about kennels, groomers? dog training in common places that you normally provide proof of vaccine. Will a titer work for those places? Uh, individual kennels apply there. So you should check with your, your kennel that you go to to see if they will allow a veterinary exemption because some do. You know, I've written exemptions and they allowed those uh, as long as the pet owner has them in hand coming in and made arrangements ahead of time uh, that they've allowed exemptions. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then how many shots are too many at one time? Because you see a, like a little three-pound dog getting four to five vaccines for at one time for things they might not even come in contact with. Is that responsible? It's, it's in my opinion, it's, it's not. Um, because, you know, technically one vaccine is probably enough at a time. Mm-hmm. But... For convenience reasons, we'll give up to two injections for a dog that's really over 40 pounds. Mm-hmm. Under, we try to split those up unless the owner's adamant that I can't get back for that other shot. Mm-hmm. Or I need it for some right. particular reason like boarding or grooming yeah. or something like that. So I try to give one injectable and then the Bordetella we give orally. So I'll give a give that at the same time okay all right well again you can call in 866-472-5788 we're going to take a little break we'll be right back with awesome woo woo holistic vet advice 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. What are the labels that identify us? Who are we and how do we figure out our place in the world? Do we own our narrative? If you were to create your biography today, what would it say about you? Listen for Dropping In with host Diane Dewey, the author of the award-winning memoir, Fixing the Fates. Diane and her guests will give their version of finding themselves. Find out about your authenticity by dropping in every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. You are listening to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. To reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. Now back to this week's program. Hello, everybody. Our guest today knows what it's like to rub elbows with many famous celebrities while ushering her little charges into the spotlight around the world. We're not talking child stars here, but canine stars. Natalie Marini and her dogs Liv and Tori have traveled all over the globe to appear in print and billboard advertising, walk the runways of New York, L.A. and Milan, and even starred on a recent network TV show. Welcome, Natalie. Hi, I'm happy to be here. We love seeing your two little girls who come to see Dr. Carlson. It's a total highlight of our entire week. Tell us a little bit about what the kids have been doing lately. Um, Well, we have been working with a lot of different um, companies in different business ventures, a lot of collaborations. Um, We're also getting ready for the start of the new year, lots of exciting projects and uh, modeling opportunities coming up as well. So we're we're revving up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. How did you guys get started in entertainment with the dogs? Um, It wasn't something that we 
ever planned to do. It kind of just snowballed into what it is now. Um, started out with just, I, I just would dress my dogs for fun. Um, I just thought it was cute and it fell in line with just what I like to do for fun. And um, <laughs> they would get a lot of attention that way because they would have little trendy outfits on. And uh, and then we got asked by a local company to take a picture for an ad they wanted to run. And then from that, we just started to get a lot of heads turned, and they started asking for more and more. <laughs> okay. You worked really hard to teach them some obedience training, a lot of it, in fact, in a very positive way. So it seems like a great relationship builder. Tell us a little a bit about the training and relationship you have with your dogs. Sure. So uh, we started obedience training at about seven weeks old. Um, you can, as long as it's done in a positive light, I mean, they're they're usually really receptive and they learn really quickly. Um, so we started with that and uh, started to build a bond and uh, a positive um, work light for them. And so whenever they saw the treats and um, were able to perform anything, they were really excited to do so. So once we had their obedience down, um, we started incorporating some fun tricks. And, uh, you know, we had a, just a really positive foundation for them wanting to work and wanting to, to listen and, and just having really nice manners, which is always nice for a dog. <laughs> yeah, they do have wonderful manners. They, they really do. When you get a new show or a commercial, is there like a short period of time you maybe have to learn a new trick? And how do you go about that? There is, yeah, um, just depending on, on the job. But, um, like, for example, we filmed a pilot last year for a new TV show um, coming out soon. And for that, that required a lot of trick work. So um, we got the script ahead of time, and we were told exactly for um, live scenes what was going to be required. So um, we started working with our trainer right away and um, teaching her anything she didn't know, and then um, just practicing things she might have already known just to make sure that they were strong. When we were on set, um, she was able to do exactly what she needed to do, and we could um, be in and out for her scenes. Oh, that's really neat. Okay. And then, like, what's your favorite trick and their favorite career accomplishments at this point? My favorite trick that she can do is probably her tattletale. Um, I can point to something and say, who did this? And she'll run and she'll hit her sister on the head. Like, she did. <laughs> she'll, um, That's cute. Yeah. And, and poor, poor Tori being the baby, she's always like, just, you know, the butt of the joke. So anything I point to, Liv runs and like tags her. She's like, it was her. <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable. You have some proud moments, it sounds like. Absolutely. Yeah. They bring so much joy to my life. Yeah, they're so cute. Um, you've also adopted a holistic lifestyle for them. What prompted that and what kind of tips can you give to other people that have worked for you? Um, so I had a dog before Liventory that was very reactive to vaccines. And the vet that we were going to at the time um, just was very, very opinionated on on them needing every vaccine and right away. And um, we were having a lot of problems. And so um, I sought out, I was looking for more of a holistic approach and I found Dr. Carlson, which was awesome. And he opened up a whole new world for us because I didn't even know that it was an option to not get the vaccines. So um, once we started talking to him and learning about um, 
what's needed and what's not and uh, all of that. We started doing more research and, yeah, we very, very quickly adopted an entire holistic approach to their lifestyle. Um, it just works for my dogs and, and being, them being so little, I worry about how much I put into their bodies at a time. Mm-hmm. The thing I really like about Natalie, she's she's a great example of of the owner that that's part of our society or part of our group is she'll come with me with ideas and we can talk about it together. So it's not such a one sided opinion. We mm-hmm. can work together and find what's what's best for them, you know. And it, and uh, I find that relationship really good. Yeah. Yeah, and we we really appreciate your flexibility with everything too. And um, you're always very up, you know, up up front with anything that we ask. And there's a lot of transparency, which we really like. Good. All right. Good. So the puppies have this widely popular Instagram channel. It's called Livy the Mork. Mm -hmm. And we'll see Tori on there too, right? Yeah. Tori does make um, some pop-up appearances. She's slowly... (laughs) slowly starting to make a presence. <laughs> She's been a little bit shy, so I haven't pushed her into it. Yeah, we were just watching it during the commercial break. Uh, she does tricks, models outfits, tells you about the best pet products, and the pictures of her and the videos of her on the runway are so precious. I absolutely could watch them all day long. So, totally natural. Yes, you know. totally a natural. <laughs> well, we really enjoyed having you with us today, and we can see why uh, such a great owner has great little pups. Thank you so much for being with us today, Natalie. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. See you soon. Bye. Uh, You know, from a holistic standpoint, there is really no better way to work on enhancing a relationship with your pet than training and spending time together. It's the cornerstone of holistic program because Mm -hmm. what better way to, to form a bond and relationship with your pet where just like that transparency there you you mm-hmm. really want transparency with your pet you want to be honest with them they do trust you you know you yeah. are their leader the mm-hmm. animals need a pack leader and they want to be able to trust you so having that training working together with the trainer or just doing work on your own uh just formulates a very strong relationship i don't Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's got one. She yeah. definitely does. I read that 96% of dogs relinquished to shelters have absolutely no obedience training. So I guess this isn't a, a really big shocker, but in a way, that's a lot of dogs. That number was just one of the many findings in a study by the National Council on Pet Population Study and Policy. So this is common sense, I guess, but it's still kind of surprising that so few dogs are really trained. And so many went without. Sometimes it's just, you know, owner experience, mm-hmm. you know, just knowing that you have to train dogs or, you know, what they've, they've known in the past. Uh, but we have to remember they, they don't come already made. You know, you can, mm-hmm. if you want to buy a trained dog, they're usually pretty expensive, yeah. you know? <laughs> but they do have to be trained. But it's surprising, you know, just the highest probably, in my opinion, the highest percentage reason for relinquishment of behavior. Yeah, behavior issues. So tell us um, a little bit about some of the things that a trained dog, like if you start training them when they're little, like Liv and Tori, um, can do for a dog. Well, they'll avoid picking up annoying habits, Mm -hmm. you know, because once they have a sense for kind of the rules and regulations Mm -hmm. of the household, 
they'll pick up on that immediately. But if we're not there to guide them right away, they'll pick up on these annoying habits. Uh, it builds a great relationship that's respectful between both because uh, if we want a, a pet to respect us, we have to give them respect back. You know, and the way we correct them and the way we guide them, mm-hmm. uh, it's not a punishment, but it's just like a child. You guide the child. Don't punish the child. Just mm-hmm. guide them through it. Uh, and it helps to understand the guidelines and expectations of the household, as I mentioned earlier. You know, we have we have a, a, a I guess, a right really to expect the pets to behave, too. We want them to mm-hmm. To be trained, but it's our responsibility. Yeah, to that makes how, sense. That know? makes sense. I mean, but you know, it's like going into a new job for a person. If you don't know what to expect or what's right, what the rules are, you know, you're not going to know. <laughs> so right. You, you can mess up too, right? Right. <laughs> so say, why does you pee on the floor? I don't know. I'm a dog. <laughs> I'm a dog. It's an animal. Yeah. I think yeah. it's one of the funniest things you've ever said. Yeah. <laughs> it's a dog. It's an animal. <laughs> But people expect like too much, you know. Yeah, out we of them, expect so. them to be more human-like, and and they, yeah. they want to be treated like their species, <laughs> just like we do. We don't want to be treated like dogs, and they don't want to be treated like people. Right? How do you know if your dog's ready to go to obedience training? She started. Natalie started at seven weeks, which is pretty little. So how do you know, like, they're ready to go to a class or something? I think it can go anytime. You know, I think, but you you probably. Like Natalie did, you know, it's seven, eight weeks is a probably a good time. Before that, they're they're going to be a little bit more, you know, they're getting more from their parent dog than from from people. Mm-hmm. But the the best time to train them is is towards weaning time. Okay. You know, because that's when they learn to ha- have that human relationship. All right, and then um, I mean, they have to be vaccinated if they're going to go out into a public environment. Yeah, it's best to have their unless they're in a very tight puppy class, they should have their first vet check and their first uh, vaccination uh, and then hit the obedience school. But they shouldn't, they should go to puppy schools uh, and, and they should, you know, not Be go just around puppies, not just, around all kinds of different dogs. Yeah, because okay. adult dogs, they have, they have different exposures and stuff like that. And you want to make sure they have a good maturity and temperament. Uh, to be able to handle uh, going into a group of dogs. Uh, okay. If they seem a little bit shy, maybe just individual training might be better. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are all training classes right for every single dog? Because it just seems like sometimes there's like a one-size-fits-all situation or maybe different like sizes of dogs need to go to different classes. I'm not sure. I think you know trainers uh, do a pretty good job of, of grouping them together, but... It's like working dogs would probably be in a working class and, you know, herding dogs. And then maybe uh, the little Shih Tzus should be in their own class, you know. You For a while. You don't want to have necessarily yeah. working dogs in a in a relaxed dog class, you know, because right. they're kind of hyped up and want to really get to it. Yeah. You know? I mean, eventually. Eventually, yeah. Socializing them things. eventually together is important, but yeah. maybe not at the very get-go depends i guess on your trainer and you got to talk to your trainer about that one too they can lose confidence right away and then they don't want to go so then they you don't want to get shy or they don't forget that 
they had a bad experience. Yeah. So building on that is not always easy because then you have to take that apart and start over again. Right. So, yeah. That's for sure. Um, what should you be looking for, like in a formal obedience class, like class size, that kind of thing? Yeah, I think um, your class size will be important. Um, the trainers usually, they do a great job of making sure the class size isn't too big because they, they want that one-on-one attention at the same time in a group situation. Very clean facilities. Um, make sure they, they require health certifications because you do want to make sure your pet's vaccinated, properly vaccinated to be in that situation, especially kennel cough vaccine. Uh, the knowledge of the style of training uh, you want to stick to positive reinforcement, mm-hmm. guiding. Uh, punitive training is really out and, and quite unnecessary anymore uh, because, uh, you know, through the way the, the guiding the pet is, is a much more appropriate way to get them to, uh, to a more sustainable, uh, you know, good activity and in, in, in a good relationship with the owner. Uh, classes that have a lot of room to spread out and some individual instruction is needed because you want to work with the trainer and talk to them a little bit more about it. Also, if you can get in a class that has small breeds for your dog, it can help them adjust, and they should be exposed to all breed those, those uh, although eventually, eventually yeah. they should be, yeah. as we mentioned earlier. Any other advice for people who want to embark on a training program? I like rug training in the home. Okay, so explain that. And rug training is, you know, each room they have – their place that they know is their spot. Like we have a favorite chair, they have their little favorite area of the rug. Uh, so they know when they enter the room that that's where they go first and then they take instruction from you. Um, it's good also if you have someone coming over. Yeah. You can say, you know, put them on their rug and tell them to stay there. And if they're trained well, they will do it. So they're not answering the door and jumping and licking and doing all those crazy things. So. I like to call it the company position. Where yes. should I be when company comes over? Mm-hmm. And uh, really don't give up until your dog is really where you want him to be. Because uh, if they're not all the way there, there can be frustrations like, what did you really want me to do? Mm-hmm. Maturity takes time, so it takes some dogs longer than others. All righty. Good stuff. Uh, some of you like to handle some of the holistic stuff at home. So today, uh, switching gears a little bit, we're going to provide a compliment to your pet's treatment plan. So we're going to really quick run down a few items you can do yourself at home to help your pet heal. So the first one, Jim, is taking control of yourself. This yeah. is huge, and people it get is. so mad when you have to talk to them about it. Because it, if if you're emotional, it's the pet's first instinct to take instruction from you. So if you're emotional, they feel like they have to be emotional. Mm-hmm. But when they're not well, they can't really handle that stress. Mm-hmm. So calm down and relax <laughs> and understand that, that things will get better. Yeah, I had one particular case that the pet had chronic diarrhea. Uh, and I finally asked the owner, are you worried about your dog? And he said, yeah, I worry constantly. I'm worried about him every second. And I said, well, just take a few days and relax. Three days later, she calls me. The diarrhea is gone. Yeah. So it does make a difference. And this we've seen again and again and again. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes we use Bach flower remedies to kind of dilute that, right? Yeah. To Because when the pet's uh, not feeling well, they're stressed out. Yeah. And so we try to incorporate 
a way of helping them to relax, even though the owner may be a yeah. little bit more stressed. And it's reasonable that you'd be worried about your pet. But at the same time, they, in order to get well, they have to feel that, that they're in a relaxed, safe environment. Yeah. The first experience we had with really understanding this was someone who kept coming to us with these cats who were, you know, chewing all their hair off. They were literally bald and especially on the backside. And, you know, it was like, so hard to figure out like what is going on with these cats and I actually saw them and the the owner of the cats was like I don't know the kids were there or something was going on she let out a scream at someone in the house and I think I must have jumped like 20 feet I swear (laughs) I was never been so scared in my life and you know I'm jumpy but then it was like okay I think I'm going to go home and tell him I think I might have hit on something here and you know saw them like another year later saw the cats another year later and I'm like I bet when that cat turns around it's going to be bald and it was unfortunately it was a completely different cat new to the home yeah all had the same problems so So they relinquished the other cats thinking there was something wrong yes that's true and they got a new set of cats and when that (laughs) cats are around same pattern they can't handle the the human emotion sometimes (laughs) i I couldn't handle it but (laughs) it really it i mean it puts it not only puts the people in the house on edge but the cats on edge and it kind of like when you're taking stuff to a whole different level you maybe need to dial it down yeah because they don't they don't understand the emotion Mm -hmm. because they're not you know, in in the wild, there's really no emotion. That's not that's not a natural thing. Mm-hmm. Human, the emotion is really human based. Mm-hmm. We created it. So, but we expect the animals just to understand if we're upset or if we're happy that that they get it, and they mm-hmm. don't. Yeah, yeah. I think it's aimed at them. They just you know? can't settle into an environment like that. Well, there isn't no settling. No, <laughs> something always going on. Freaked out all the time. <laughs> Poor cats. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Pets know a lot more than you think they do. So it's because they have some sense about people's emotions. It affects them so much. Is this like, is it their nature to try to understand you? Yeah, they, they want to understand the environment because it's, it's important to them as part of a wild instinct to really, you know, understand their environment. Where's my food? You know, where's my Mm -hmm. safety net? You know, where's my resting spot? Yeah. Any situation. That's the first thing they're doing. Uh, so they want to make sure that the environment's safe for them just yeah. as much as we want it to be safe for them. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, that was a tough one sometimes to have to discuss yeah. with owners. So um, another topic here, essential oils are a popular DIY method and something that everyone can try at home. And so tell us a few quick tips on that because, um, I mean, they smell so great, but you don't want to load overload anything with essential oils. Right, you want to you want to watch the toxicity levels. Um, the these are are very potent. Um, you know, the oils is the most part most potent part of the plant. Uh, they're distilled, mm-hmm. so when the oil comes out, it's it's very strong. Um, some companies have much stronger oils than others, uh, but make sure it's not too toxic. Um, I love cedarwood, but cedarwood is very can be very toxic. You have to be careful of it. it works great for flea and tick prevention, but at the same time it can be be toxic. Uh, frankincense wonderful anti anti everything really, but uh, but it they're using frankincense on can on tumors, aren't they? Yeah, injecting tumors with frankincense on animals. Mm-hmm. You've heard of that? I have, and it and, and it's done a really really good job. And um, 
but it can be toxic, you know, because mm-hmm. it's designed to to really get rid of bad tissue, but you okay. have to use it wisely. Uh, don't use too much, you know. Make sure you're following label directions with your dilutions, um, how you're diffusing it, how you're applying it. Um, don't apply it to a pet unless you talk to a veterinarian um, or to someone that's really uh, versed in essential oils. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I mean, cats have... A tremendous sense of smell, but dogs have double the sense of smell, basically, yeah. than a cat. And yeah. I don't know how many trillions of times the smell that uh, they do have a human. So you really could make your animal sick or or just off, right, by using too much essential oil? You can, because let's take, for example, a cat can smell a mouse 100 yards away. So mm-hmm. you imagine a football field, mm-hmm. a little mouse down there, the cat <laughs> can smell it. Yeah. So you imagine essential oils, how much you know, how potent that would be to them compared yeah. to what we can smell. We can't smell a mouse. That so well. in your diffuser, you would just want to maybe put a drop in there. Yeah, just a drop or two, just to to get it started, um, see how they respond to it. If they're sneezing, have runny nose or something, then you probably don't want to use it. Okay, all um, right. So nothing gets people running like that grumbly tummy sound you hear on your dog or cat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like practically hollering 911. So what are some quick tips on that as well i think you know making sure that you have those treats in between the meals because there are some dogs that have a higher meta- metabolic rate uh, so having the appropriate snacks and treats and in, in the uh, available is going to be important okay all right very good um so again, we're providing guidance in this podcast to people who are looking for information, looking to find a way to spark a conversation with their veterinarian. And what we're talking about today really isn't considered medical advice for individual pets. Um, we do offer, Dr. Carlson offers telemedicine services, custom holistic testing, homeopathy, and records reviews for you. He'll work cooperatively with your veterinarian, and you can find those services on our Facebook page, Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. Uh, you can also reach out to us at holisticvetadvice at gmail.com. So we were so glad you joined us today and we'll talk to you next week, same time. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you for listening this week to Awesome Woo Woo Holistic Vet Advice. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jim and Kristen Carlson again next Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now go make some time with your best friend. 